This episode is sponsored by Social Venture Partners Boulder County, a nonprofit with a unique mission to strengthen other nonprofits. We can help you implement the strategies, processes, and leadership you need to advance your organization to the next level. Check us out at svpbouldercounty.org. Hello, I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Together, Nia and I have over 30 years of nonprofit experience. We've worked the program side, the business side, and everything in between. We are reframing the nonprofit experience by challenging the status quo, because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to another episode of the Nonprofit Reframe. We are coming to you live on Wednesday. <laughs> what month is it? Is it April? It's tax day. It's April 15. There we go. At t- April 15. 12.25 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Tax day has now turned into um, stimulus check day. Did you get yours? I did uh, not. I looked. I haven't gotten it yet. Oh. Well... I think I might need to change accountants because this morning I emailed and I was like, just to double check, I have to pay my quarterly estimates today, right? And he was like, no, you don't. Those are delayed as well. And I was like, I have been stressing about that all week. You could have told me much sooner. Yeah, delay that stress. Seriously, dude. It's like in the last episode when you were saying like anything we can do to just like calm things down and let people know it's going to be okay. Like, let's just do that. Let's just be proactive. Tell your clients that they don't need to pay taxes on April 15th. That's exactly right. Well, I'm not. I haven't even started mine. <laughs> All right. So how have you been? How's your day going? You know, ups and downs, as always. Yeah. Um, we, at my house, um, really enjoyed the lovely weather we had last week. Even got out on bike ride Saturday, which was mm-hmm. so nice. And then we got dumped on with snow. I was going to say, but then, unfortunately, we live in Colorado, and Colorado in the springtime means... 75 one day and 25 the next day with five inches of snow. Well, did you see that we're going to get another five to seven tonight and tomorrow? I did. Yay. I did. Yay. I, there, I know. You never know what you're going to get. There was I something about... Say that, oh, go ahead. <laughs> well, I... Oh, my God. That's such a train wreck. <laughs> I, I usually say that this time of year is job security for my husband who manages all the hiking trails because this really heavy, wet spring snow usually brings down a lot of trees and they have to do a lot of trail maintenance. Ah, but it's a little different this year, isn't it? It is a little different. Well, yeah, it's very different. We'll see. Nobody's on, nobody that works for the city is really on the trail right now. Right. Who knows what they look like. Uh, I was, uh, talking to some friends earlier this week and, uh, recognizing again, like we are so lucky right now. Like both my husband and I are employed, uh, we are in good health, so it's not as scary for us to go out. So like, I recognize we have a lot of positions of privilege right now, and I really don't want to diminish, diminish those who are not in those positions. Um, but it was kind of fun talking about the things we were looking forward to when, when things go back to whatever normal will be. If things go. Yeah, if. And as I was listing them off, I realized that all the things I want 
are just to like pay people to take care of me. <laughs> like, like I just, yeah. I want a pedicure and a massage and somebody to cook me brunch and then do the dishes afterwards. Like I'm just really bad at taking care of myself. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's been a real lesson for all of us on self-maintenance. <laughs> My hair is out of control. Yeah. I was supposed to get it cut in February. I pushed the appointment, not knowing, obviously, that we were going to go into a pandemic. And it's just so long. So long. Well, I get to cut Gabriel's hair this week. He asked me if I would. So I said, let me watch a couple YouTube videos and then I'm all over it. Let's do this. Colin made me do his this, this weekend. And I, I didn't want to. I kept saying No. And he, he just like insisted. And I was like, you're going to end up with a high and tight because I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, you know, I'm thinking that this might save us money in the long run. You're going to just start doing his hair all the time? Yeah. Maybe I'm fantastic at it. I don't know. I've never done it. <laughs> this might be a hidden talent. <laughs> I, I feel like we are learning so much about ourselves right now during this period of time. New skills, new things that drive us up the wall, things our spouses do that makes us want to divorce them. I mean, just lots of learning. It's true. I've learned a lot about my boundaries and my limits and the boundaries and limits of my patients. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, we'll always remember this. And that's what's kind of fun about this podcast. I was just thinking is that this is even though it's not the topic of the entire podcast, even just these short little intros will be something that we can always listen to and remember quarantine. We <laughs> Life in quarantine. We'll remember quarantine. I feel like yeah. uh, one of the big takeaways is that like a breakdown is just around the corner at any moment. Always. <laughs> always. <laughs> which which I didn't realize how tenuous uh, my my mental health status was. <laughs> I mean, that's a true fact. I I have a lot of, like, I have a lot of s- skills that I utilize in my life to help manage my mental health. And um, when those disappeared, for example, just even the car ride to and from yes. work, you know, having 25 minutes by myself to decompress, I didn't realize how much I needed that. Mm-hmm. And I am an extrovert, but I am finding that, yes, while I might be an extrovert, I really need that alone time to reset and recalibrate. And without it, it's been very tough. Driving is also where I do most of my concert performances. Um, uh, yes. <laughs> so yeah. this weekend, at one point, I just told my husband, I'm going to close the bedroom door. You should probably go outside for like half an hour because I'm just going to sing at the top of my lungs because that's what I need right now. Oh, <laughs> I know. I know. So I encourage everybody who's listening, whatever things that you do to find peace, do them. Make the time. Yeah. Yeah. Your family will thank you. Yeah. I, I would hope so. Although they yeah, I'm a, they wouldn't know what would happen otherwise. Mm. I'm a better mother and a better wife when I take that time. Yeah. So what are we talking about today? So last week we talked about funders, foundations, and their response. And we thought it would be fun to talk about 
the fundraising that's happening internally for organizations. What is what does fundraising look like in the middle of a um, public health crisis? Right? Because things have to shift. Yeah, and it's, you know, some some places are that shift is being forced more than others. Um, predominantly organizations who do the majority of their fundraising through events. Yeah, big changes there. That's for sure. And having to actually put in a donor stewardship plan for the first time, I imagine. Yeah, putting those stewardship plans into place. It's been interesting to see um, organizations who uh, normally have stewardship plans where that's clearly falling by the wayside as they kind of ramp up programs and um, and also just like adjust to whatever this work looks like right now. And then organizations who maybe haven't had that in the past who are really stepping it up um, and reaching out to donors, checking in, um, ensuring that they're using this time to, to make deeper relationships with folks. Well, that might be another one of those silver linings of this time period is that we're going back and really connecting with those who have supported their organization for a long time that just when we get caught up in that hamster wheel of, um, you know, events and appeals and, you know, just life in nonprofits that can move so fast uh, those touches sometimes fall by the wayside. And so it's a great opportunity for us to bring those back. Yeah. I, I think it's also interesting to see like which organizations are actively fundraising um, and what their messaging is around that. Um, you know, we've got lots of data out of the last recession, um, post 9-11, which says that, you know, really you, you have to keep fundraising. Don't pull it back. Obviously, we are going to probably pivot our messages. I put pivot in quotes just because it's so used right now. Um, but, you know, don't stop fundraising. If you had a big appeal that you're planning to push out next month, don't push it for three, six months. Like we need to continue to fundraise um, because people want to give, right? Like it's such a great way to um, to show that you are, not to show, what am I trying to say? For those of us who are feeling really hopeless, who are feeling overwhelmed by things, one way that, especially in America, we deal with that is by giving to charity. And that's why we see disaster response, et cetera, having this massive influx of cash. Well, similarly, we want to give to the nonprofits that are tried and true, that we love and care about deeply. And so one of the big messages is don't pull back your fundraising efforts right now. Um, But I I do think it's also interesting – because, you know, some organizations are fundraising when programs are halted entirely. Um, and, right. you know, how do you even message around that? Yeah. And and that, so I think that that's the point, right, of, you know, don't stop fundraising, but maybe having to um, alter that messaging a bit to be appropriate. Mm-hmm. So, for example, and I don't know, I haven't said this to you before, and I don't know what your thoughts will be on it, but, you know, where I work, uh, we tend to always do a Mother's Day mailing. Mm. And yet, I'm not really sure a specific Mother's Day appeal is appropriate right now, Mm -hmm. if that'll land with everybody. So we're not going to give up the idea of doing an appeal, but we're just trying to think of what message would resonate most with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I've also noticed um, some organizations where 
like programs are shut down, they're they've had to cancel galas, etc. Putting out um, messages that sound really dire, and I know it can feel that right. way, that way internally, right? Like we just lost our biggest money maker of the year by canceling our event, but donors give because they care about the mission, but really because they care about that vision of what your organization is going to bring into the future. And so when your messaging is just around, woe is us, we we can't operate right now, we, we don't have the funds, and instead, when it's that, instead of really focusing on, okay, what's going to happen when you reopen? How is this donor going to be part of that exciting future, that vision you have, and ensuring you get there? That That's when I think the, the appeals are really struggling. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to that sense of stability, right? Um, in the midst of a really chaotic time. And if your messaging portrays chaos and people are already feeling stressed from their personal chaos, then it's not going to land as much as if you can come from a place of stability, even if you maybe don't feel it 100% right now. Because, I mean... Let's be honest, there's so many unknowns and we have no idea how this is all going to unfold. Um, But if you can stick with the facts and, you know, say we've been here for this long and we've been doing X, Y, and Z and we are committed to continuing that. And though it may look different now, we are, you know, working to still meet the needs of our clients in these ways and when we get to the other side of this, we'll still be here, but we need your help to make that happen. Yeah, I love that right there. And for just about every organization who I've seen on social media or through email, they're still doing something, right? Like you might yeah. be, you might have pulled back your primary program, but you're still putting content out. You're like, I, I was just watching um, some videos that one of our local museums put out. Like clearly the museum building itself is shut down. But they've got their education directors teaching kids things, and they're they're still trying to be part of that fabric of our community, um, and and we should be touting that like that. It's been really interesting and innovative to see how organizations are responding. Well, and going back to your point of that, you know, in times like this, people want opportunities to help, mm-hmm. right? So when you might feel helpless. Um, you know, how can you be part of the solution and nonprofits give people that opportunity, which, and that's all the time, right? Um, It's just heightened now because of the current situation that we're in with the pandemic. So I have noticed some donors coming forward wanting to do that in very specific ways. Have you? Uh, By specific ways, do you mean like restricting their gifts? Yes, I do. God damn it all. <laughs> so sick of this bullshit. Stop respecting your gifts, especially right Stop now. Stop respecting your gifts. Well, I think I like one of the biggest risks right now. Okay, so you say you want to restrict your gift to program X. We don't know what program X is going to look like this year. What if we don't have the expenditures to actually be able to fully utilize this restricted gift? That doesn't mean that we're not doing other incredible things that you should be supporting. What the fuck? Well, and so I think that this is a great time to empower our nonprofit organizations to set that boundary. Yes. And to be, I mean, if you're ever going to say it, I mean, this is the perfect time 
to say, there is so much up in the air. We love that you want to support us and we love that you love this specific program, but we're not sure how things are going to look moving forward. And we want to be able to use that gift in the most impactful way so that we can continue to offer these services. So would you consider unrestricting the gift, knowing that we're going to use it where we need it the most? Yep. Yep. And so if we can set the tone now, there's the possibility that it might stick, (laughs) you know, that maybe we can retrain our donors Mm -hmm. moving forward. Yes. Yes. Oh, I've, I've been, uh, in conversations and, and seeing just people posting more too about like, what are the things that we're changing right now that we want to maintain post crisis? Mm-hmm. This should be one of them. No restricted giving, just philanthropy across the board. Stop restricting gifts. If you care about the nonprofit, care about them and give them a general operating gift that they can use for whatever need might come their way. And it doesn't mean that you're not still supporting that program right. that you love. You're still supporting it by keeping the organization open. And you're just giving because them flexibility to do whatever they might need to do in that program. Exactly. Because the funding, particularly now, is so dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. It's changing. Yeah. And so you might have a program that for some reason is funded okay, But now this other program you have has taken a hit. Mm -hmm. And so you need to be able to have the flexibility to move that funding around so that you can meet the needs of all the programming so that it stays open. Yep. Absolutely. So it's also just a call to being mindful of... What is hitting your bottom line right now? Like, what is a true expense that you have right now? Mm -hmm. And making sure that while it might seem very generous, you're not accepting a gift just to accept a gift that's not, that's a new expense. Right. Does that make sense? Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've been following um, a few campaigns that have been specifically giving to individuals. You know, like there's um, a comedian who I like, Mike Birbiglia. He set up a um, a tip jar for comedy club workers. Um, or there, there's one for restaurant workers. And so, yeah. you know, there's been this big push to give to individuals. And I'm seeing some nonprofits jumping on this as well, where they're either setting up funds or they're collecting to give to a specific population. Um, and, and I think, I mean, that it really plays into this restricted giving kind of conversation. Now you've just created additional workload for you all, right? Cause you, you're having to administer these, these funds that you're giving and there are additional tax implications as a 501c3. Like it, it's not yeah. good to be in the business of giving to individuals unless that's part of your mission. Right. Right. So just a word of caution, you know, as we have, um, you know, this upswell of support from people wanting to give um, and, you know, help those who need the most help right now. You know, I think it's incumbent upon us as nonprofit professionals to help direct that funding in the most uh, responsible way. Yeah. And I think because donors are 
you know, they're wanting to step up, but they're also, I think, providing just a different level of grace. It really provides this opportunity to have these very open and honest conversations about what the impact of a restricted gift is versus a, an unrestricted gift, um, how they can be better philanthropists overall through this process. So that reminds me of um, a new date in May that's <laughs> coming up, a new campaign, a national philanthropy campaign, Giving Tuesday Now. So yes, Giving Tuesday Now, which is actually an international day of giving. I do want to correct that. Oh, is yes, it? I don't think I knew that. Um, is on May 5th. Um, and this is an addition to the Giving Tuesday that happens the first Tuesday after Thanksgiving. So it, it's really meant to be this, this additional um, day of philanthropy in response to coronavirus. Not saying it's just for coronavirus responding organizations, but recognizing the massive impacts that the public health crisis has had on nonprofits this day for additional giving. What do you think about it? Well, I just... The irony, you know, we did the very first episode we ever did for this podcast was about Colorado Gives Day. Which we put on blast. Which is, which we put on blast. <laughs> um, which is also in December and it's a week, oh, I guess Giving Tuesday is not necessarily in December, but it's a week after Giving Tuesday. Mm. So whenever Giving Tuesday falls, the normal Giving Tuesday um, Colorado Gives Day is a week later. So as Colorado nonprofits, I know I personally don't really engage in Giving Tuesday as much because we're a local nonprofit. So we're going for mostly local dollars. And so our emphasis is on this other day, Colorado Gives Day. So you're going to celebrate At Colorado Gives Now on May 12th? <laughs> Do not put that idea out into the atmosphere. <laughs> No, but remember we talked about, oh gosh, it would be so great if they moved Colorado Gives Day to the spring or early summer, <laughs> like May or June. Uh, are you saying that we're responsible for coronavirus? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it'll be really interesting to see how people step up. I mean, I get it. You know, I know that this wouldn't be happening otherwise if there wasn't a global pandemic. Um, I hope at some sense that this inspires people to continue giving throughout the year and not just consider the end of the year and the holidays to be the only philanthropic time of the year. But I guess time will tell. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm basically telling my clients, like, if we have a campaign that's already planned, we'll put this into it, kind of like you do with Giving Tuesday and Year on Giving. But trying to create something new in the middle of a public health crisis when we're working from home with kids like that, that's just too much to try to create something entirely new just for that. Um, and again, like so well-intentioned, so great. Let's push philanthropy right now. Um, but thinking about most nonprofits in the U S that are small, right? The, the majority of nonprofits in the U S have budgets of under half a million dollars. So for them to create, um, something meaningful around Giving Tuesday now is just probably not all that realistic right now. So we're going to no, have... And it's it's going to be so loud. Yeah. And the big shops are going to do it and they're going to be loud and in your face and on social media all day. And so the, the little organizations are going to struggle. So maybe this is a call for all of you out there listening. Put your list together of what nonprofits you want to give to on that day. Think local, think small. 
um, the organizations that are really making a difference right now? Well, it's going to be a testament to that stewardship we talked about earlier because, I mean, it's two weeks away. What are you going to do in two weeks? But two weeks? Shit. (laughs) Isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, you're right. Goddamn. But, um, so, you know, the people that are going to give to you, you've already connected with at some level, you know, so reaching that new person is going to be difficult in this time frame and in this limited capacity. Yeah. I think it's also important to recognize that this is being held on May 5th, which is Cinco de Mayo. Um, And, you know, it's a really important cultural holiday, especially for Mexicans in America. Um, It's become this, this opportunity to celebrate culture and heritage. And now we've put a an international day of giving on this day. I know there are a lot of holidays and I'm sure it's hard to plan a day of giving around all of the various worldwide holidays, but I feel like we could have not done it on Cinco de Mayo. Like that that would have been really great to not have it on a, a cultural holiday. Uh, but but here we are uh, again kind of I- ignoring uh, some of the other cultures of the world. Right. Right. I know. Well, one thing we've been doing in our household, and by in our household, I mean me, um, each week we have been buying a gift card to a local restaurant that we really love and then Mm. making a small donation to an additional nonprofit. So on top of our our normal giving, an organization that's really stepping up right now. Um, And it's been really great to see the, um, the kind of immediate stewardship that they're really trying with all these new donors coming in the door. Like the organizations that are already doing so much and yet thinking about their donors at the same time. I I just so much so many kudos goes out to them right now because they're they're just killing it. You're so great. You're such a savvy philanthropist. I love that practice. <laughs> I think everybody should do that. Let's just like not look at my bank account at the end of the month. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not so good with the budgeting on my philanthropy side, which my husband points out regularly. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you're going to have a spending problem, that's a good place to have it. That is very true. Uh, speaking of philanthropy, I, I – okay, we got a few minutes. I, I want to bring this up because it just, it's been bothering me. So, you know, we've got some big philanthropists in the world um, and in the U.S., and uh, they've had varying degrees of publicity. Um, so ha- have you heard of this, this young man, uh, uh Bezos, Be- Be- Bezos, Jeff? Oh, that man? Yeah. Yes, I have heard of him. Yeah. So he runs this, this really great small business called Amazon. Um, <laughs> and he was getting some accolades for his philanthropy. I want to say it was like a hundred million dollars, something like that. Um, but he... He and his wife gave to, or, well, actually, he's divorced now. Either way, I'm clearly, I don't have the details of this gift dialed in, but he made a significant gift to coronavirus response and has gotten a lot of publicity for it. Now, of course, this is at the same time that he is also pushing a campaign to financially support his employees because uh, they get paid so poorly and have such poor benefits that uh, they need additional outside support. Right. Um, so a lot of hypocrisy there in the philanthropy. And I know we've talked before about kind of whitewashing 
your actions through philanthropy. I think that's a yep. great example. Um, I don't know if you remember, but like when all this started, he had come out, um, and I think it was specific to Whole Foods employees, developed a system where you could gift your sick days to other Whole Foods employees if they got coronavirus. I think I did see that. So fucking ridiculous. So on one hand, you've got that kind of philanthropy, which clearly I'm not in favor of. Um, and then are you familiar with Jack Dorsey? I know the name. Why do I know the name? Yeah. So he's not as well known, clearly. Um, but he is uh, the founder of Twitter um, and Square. Um, he's, yes. If you're on Twitter, his account is at Jack. Like, yes. The, the Jack Dorsey. So he's worth a lot of money. He gave a billion dollars to coronavirus response, which I want to say is like a quarter of his assets. Like it's a significant amount of what he's worth. And then he set up an open source document to track where all of his donations are going for transparency. Wow. Like that's the kind of philanthropy we we really need right now. That, that kind of commitment. And we need to be holding up the Jack Dorseys of the world and not fucking talking about Jeff Bezos and his pennies that he's giving away to coronavirus response on the back end doing so much more harm than good anyway. Right. Right. I know. This is it. This is where we see it, right? This yeah. Is in times of crisis, um, where we see a lot of this stuff come up. Yep. And I... I mean, this is kind of a call on media, not that anybody in the media listens to our podcast. <laughs> but I, I do think it's interesting, like, the kind of coverage these two gifts have gotten. Um, and I know part of it is, you know, you've got bigger names and things. But what Jack Dorsey is doing is so huge. And yeah. it's such a call on other philanthropists to follow his lead. And I want that to be plastered on the front page of every news site instead of this other gift. That's such a great point. You really don't think any of the major networks are following us? So, Rachel Maddow, if you're out there, make sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yet. Yet. What a day that would be. Yeah. So, what are our takeaways? Um, Development departments keep fundraising. Um, Yep. Definitely, you know, take a look at your language. If you had pre-written your copy months in advance. First off, well done. I don't know how you found time for that, but kudos. But yeah, you're going to need to probably rework it now. (laughs) Yeah. Build up your stewardship programs, Mm -hmm. re-engage with your donors, um, set those boundaries with restricted gifts. Yep. Donors, unrestrict your gifts. Hashtag unrestrict your gifts. It's like, we can't say it enough. Can't say it enough. <laughs> um, give on Giving Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Give locally. Give generously. Um, and, you know, small nonprofits recognize that it may not be this tidal wave of support that you're hoping for, but at least it's getting people thinking about philanthropy on an international level. And hopefully that'll come back to you in some form at some point in time. Yeah, actually, that just reminds me. Somebody forwarded me um, an email appeal, and the PS was so lovely. Um, It said, like, if you are currently experiencing any kind of financial challenge, please disregard the above. We are thinking of you. 
We hope you're doing all right. If you need any assistance, please call us. Oh, that's great. And if you're not in any kind of financial challenge, here's your opportunity to make a difference. And I was like, ah, see that? Even just that and recognizing and calling out that we're in different positions right now is just such a, uh, I just thought a lovely way to be doing fundraising in the midst of so much chaos and unknown. I agree. That's awesome. Anything else? I think that covers it for today. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in. We hope this finds everybody uh, healthy and in um, a positive mind frame, at least for this 20 minutes. Because <laughs> mind changes yeah. on the hour. Lots of ups and downs. Yeah. But we're here and um, we're going to continue doing this every week. That's our commitment to you. And we want to hear from you. What do you want to hear about? Um, we are still planning on an AMA, Ask Me Anything episode. So please, please, please send in your questions for us. Uh, we'd love to cover them. Um, we, we also now have an email newsletter sign up that is live. Uh, once we get some folks signed up, we would love to send you some additional content, some additional resources. So please go to our website, thenonprofitreframe.com or just nonprofitreframe.com. If you're feeling a little lazy, cut out those three letters. Um, <laughs> and of course we are always on social media, Facebook, Instagram, you know, I always say LinkedIn, but we're, I mean, our presence on LinkedIn is pretty slim. So if you actually want regular content, you better be on Facebook or Instagram with us. <laughs> But we're on LinkedIn, too, if you just want to follow. That's fair. That's fair. And remember, um, TikTok is yet to come. <laughs> TikTok is not yet to come. <laughs> That's a, a quarantine goal of mine. <laughs> I want to see you and your family on TikTok. I, I would pay for that. Done. Done. <laughs> and again, one last reminder that if you have the means, now is the time to give and give generously. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. We would like to thank our sponsors. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com. And Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.